<laughs> we are in Melachim Bet, chapter 4. We are in the sagas of Elisha Hanavi, who is a student of Eliyahu Hanavi. Interesting, we've seen, we've seen many parallels between the stories of Elisha and Eliyahu. And one of them is going to be the story that we're reading right now, in which he revives a dead child. Okay? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We didn't see him revive the child yet, right? Uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. In which, before them, a child passes away. Okay? Now, we don't well, know if they, gonna, get, if they get revived. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, okay, so we're on verse 28. All right. It's ruined the yeah, sorry. Wedding. I just ruined it. Okay. So, what, what basically happened? Elisha, there was a woman from Shunem who was a wealthy woman. Uh, it seems like they're empty nesters, her and her husband, but they're very generous people. They made a place in their house, a designated spot for Elisha to live, like an attic or, or something, okay? And he stays there, and at one point he says, you know, you're such a nice lady, is there anything I could do for you? And you want me to speak to the king on your behalf? Do you want me to, like, you know, give you some connections? And she says, no, I'm really, honestly, I'm, I'm a woman of the people. I like where I'm at. I don't need anything. And then Gehazi, who we're going to see is Elisha's... Um, not so good servant, Gehazi tells Elisha, by the way, the woman doesn't have a child. Now, it's interesting that Gehazi would realize that, but not Elisha. And Elisha is like, maybe in his living own world, house, he's living in their house, and he doesn't realize that they don't have a child, but Gehazi says she doesn't have a child. And um, so then Elisha, okay, we're going to give her a child. So, so, uh, they give her, so Elisha blesses her in the same language that the Malachim bless Abraham and Sarah, as she's standing by the entrance, they bless her with a child, which is also where Sarah was. Sarah was at the entrance of the tent, right? And so is the lady from the Isha Shunamit. But then, and the child is born and, 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 and next year, and then one day she sends the child into the field and the child says, oh, my, my, my head, my head, my head hurts, and he passes away. And then she takes the boy and she puts him in Elisha's room on his bed in the attic. And uh, she... Tells her husband, she doesn't tell her husband what happened. She just says, okay, you know what, I'm going. So she herself goes and tries to track down Elisha. Okay? And then Elisha, basically using Gehazi as an intermediary, says, how is the lady doing? And she says, I'm good, I'm good. She just doesn't want to talk to Gehazi. And then she goes and she grabs Elisha by the, on the legs. And I think that's where we're up to, right? Right? <laughs> And then Gehazi tries to push her away and she says, no, 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 this woman is in a very difficult situation. She's Isha Marat Ruach, Maralah, but God hid this from me. Okay? Below he gidli, and he didn't tell me. So she says, did I ask for a son from, from, from Hashem? You uh, are the one who just decided to give me a child and I was the one who said, don't disappoint me. Did I ask for this? I said, don't disappoint me. I don't want the hope. Remember, remember when he gave her the beracha? She said, no, don't give me this beracha. Like, you're make, giving me hope for something that I've already kind of resigned to the fact that it's never going to happen. And now you give me the child and then the child dies. Come on. So then Elisha says, okay, you know what? You're going to take the lead here. Take my staff and... Um, and, and gird your loins, take my staff. Whenever you see someone, don't bless him. Don't say hello to anyone. Go straight to this woman's house. And if someone blesses you, don't answer him. And you put my staff on the face of the child. 
And Elisha thinks that that's going to work. And then the woman says, um, by the life of God, I'm not going to leave you, Elisha. So then Elisha goes with her as well. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but Gehazi still went ahead of them. So it's Gehazi in front and then Elisha and the lady behind him. Gehazi goes in front of them. He puts the staff on the face of the boy. And there's no voice and there's no listening. Yeah, there's no response. So then he returns to he returns to Elisha, and he says to Elisha, "No, the child did not wake up." Elisha comes in, and he sees the child is dead on his bed. Then he closes the door behind the two of them, and he and he prays to Hashem. And he go and he goes and he lays down on the on the boy. Okay. He, he closes the door, he prays to Hashem, then he goes on the boy, and then he puts his mouth on the boy's mouth, his eyes on the eye, meaning he goes like basically parallel on top of the boy. He puts his palm on his palms, uh, and then he, like, what, he blew into him. He what? He breathed on him. And then the flesh of the boy grew warm, meaning the boy came back. Then he goes back into the room, meaning he gets off the boy. He walks around the house, once here, once there. And then he goes back, and he, he, he breathes onto the boy again. And then the boy sneezes seven times. And finally, and the eyes, and the, and the boy opens his eyes. <laughs> who is in the room at the time because he closed the door on Shnehem. I think Gehazi was in the room. Actually, was Gehazi in the room? No, no, he closed the door on two of them. I thought it's so it's on him and the boy. Behind the two of them. said so he went in, shut the door behind the two of them. I know, two of them. Who is the two of them? Uh, the mom and Oh, he the, shut it on Gehazi. the two of them. So Gehazi's not in the room. Right. So he calls the Gehazi and he said, go bring the woman. I just, I'm trying to understand why he needs Gehazi to bring the woman. Okay, and he calls her and she comes to him and he says, Take your son. She goes and she falls on Elisha's feet. And she bows and she takes her son and she leaves. Very interesting story. I'm very not Jewish. I'm not so, I'm so, I'm so confused. What you can bring someone back to life? Okay, so the, the classic, um, I mean, this is, a a second, time this, is a second yeah. time, this is the second time we're seeing this. Um, the classical interpreters, like the more rational ones, say like he was probably in, in some kind of like coma state or or something like that, and he was able to bring him back. It wasn't didn't bring a kid back who was completely dead. But he said his kid, kid, skin became warm, and he it was cold before, meaning he was dead. And maybe he was almost dead. I don't know. Maybe he was almost dead. Um, that I, was I'm, the first time this happened with uh, Eliel, no? Happens to Eliel. I need to find the story. The young, the young boy back to life. Well, I don't know why it's. Uh, I'm blanking on on the details of the story. Um, this one's much more mystic. Dude, like this. he put his hands on his hands. He put his mouth on his mouth. He put his eyes over his eyes. Here, should we find it? It's in Menachim Aleph. Was it the boy of the the poor lady that he like? Uh, 
that boy? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe. I think it was that would be in boy. chapter 17. He got sick and he here. Revives him. Here. Yeah, here. Right here. Let's find. Let's read the verses. It was after these things that remember the lady that he gave her, he asked for the bread yeah, from her. The oil also didn't run out. Uh, and the oil didn't the run oil out. Also didn't run okay, out. so it was after these things the son of the lady became sick and he was very sick. He had no more soul in him, meaning he died, seemingly. So she says to Eliyahu, what, what is it for me? You came to cause my son to die. What? You came here and you give us food so that one of my sons died? I'd rather have no food than have my son die. So Eliyahu said to her, give me your son. He takes the son. They go up into the attic and he puts him on the bed. He calls out to Hashem and he says, Hashem, my God, do you also, um, on this woman who you brought me here to save her life, now you want me to do bad to her that her, you killed her son? So he, what does that mean? He laid himself out over the child three times, same as Elisha. And he calls out to Hashem and he says, please bring back the soul of this boy. Hashem listened to the voice of Eliyahu and the boy's spirit came back and he lived. Eliyahu took the child and he brought him down from the attic and he gave her to his mother. And he said, Eliyahu says, see, your son is alive. The woman says to Eliyahu, now I know that you're a man of God and the word of God that's in your mouth is true. So it happens with Eliyahu also. Now in this story, in Elisha's story, it seems like the boy is a lot more dead. And now when it says his spirit left him, it's not like, it doesn't say Bayamot. I mean, it doesn't even say it here. I don't know, but that's not, that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on like the, the meaning of the story. Um, I heard a couple of very interesting Analyses of the story First is Why would the child die? What's the, why would the child die? So there are a couple of reasons Why the child might have died um, One is If you look at all the stories In which a, a son is born To a woman Who's barren for a long time You typically see the woman Like devote the child to Hashem Or, or make or Like put Like Chana Put the child In the service of the Beit HaMikdash She Her son Just goes out into the field Meaning it seems like you could maybe critique her for she gets a blessing of a child, but then she doesn't say anything about, or she doesn't sing this gr- grand song, you know, like whenever uh, Eshet uh, Shimshon's mother gave birth to him, she gave the son over as a nazir, right? So all these women they did things to show appreciation to Hashem, and this lady we don't see any evidence of her giving appreciation to Hashem for the blessing. So that's why the child dies in order for her to recognize and appreciate Boreolam's gift to her. That's one possible interpretation. Fascinating interpretation because it does a good job comparing uh, this to other stories. Another possible interpretation is if you look in our parasha, for example, parasha Vayera, who is the one who gives Abraham the blessing that he will have a child? Hashem through the Malachim, right? Hashem gave through the angels. Here, it's Elisha giving it on his own. It doesn't say that he asked Hashem permission to give her a child. He just blesses her that you're going to have a child. Now, Boreolam does it, but... There was a little bit of conceit on, Eli, on Elisha's part that he could just go around blessing people with, on behalf of Hashem. So one of the possible explanations is that the child dies for Elisha to learn a lesson. You, you have to realize that there are limits to your nevuah. And you see the limits of Elisha's nevuah when he recurrently misses things. He misses things like the fact that Gehazi, when he puts the staff over the child, it's not going to bring the child back to life. Right? He misses things. He misses the point that the woman is in a bad state. She says, oh, nelamimeni, that she was in a very bad state, right? Um, we see Elisha recurrently missing information, which shows us that he, 
Potentially, it was, it was a lesson for Elisha to learn some humility. He didn't even realize the woman was barren. He didn't even realize the woman was barren, right? So Elisha is missing things. Uh, so those are two very interesting takes on the story that I thought were very interesting. A final point, we're going to see in the next chapter that, or the, no, maybe in the chapter after that or whatever. It's one of the coming chapters that Gehazi is going to, is, nothing good ever comes from Gehazi, right? Every time he tries to do something, he's wrong. You know, he tells a woman to go away. Elisha says, no, don't tell her to go away. Tell her to come. He tries to get the kid to live. That doesn't work. Everything Elisha does is wrong. I mean, uh, Gehazi does is wrong. I think this well, is one of, the, this is one of the fascinating lessons in Tanakh that very often you have these like great chachamim or great, uh, or great mekubalim. You will very often, it's a, maybe it's a warning sign, you will very often find that there are people that recognize that these great rabbis have a lot of respect and they will angle themselves to be aligned with the rabbi when their intentions are not very good. This is a typical, classic form of Gehazi. Right? And you see, you see it a lot in the culture today where anytime you have like a, a very, very big rabbi that everybody respects, you have some guy of his servants who's out there for the money, you know, and will try to take liberties as well. And this is Gehazi. It's a warning that with great capability and great respect, comes potential for great corruption, uh, in this case, Gehazi. And in our days, obviously, we've seen, we see many examples of this. But Hashem, uh, we should not see it at all. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.